Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I think you see something pretty interesting emerging right now when it comes to a certain narrative that's sort of out there related to UGA that starts to feel a little bit like something that's kind of existed in the past, including last year. And we know how well that turned out for Georgia in 2021. And for every UGA fan who rightly so wants to replicate this season, what Georgia had last season, we got an example maybe today of how true that is. I want to focus for a moment on Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, I believe, is probably Georgia's best player for the upcoming season. And when you look back on Georgia a year ago, despite the fact that the Dogs had five eventual first-round picks on defense and all kinds of playmakers that contributed to a national championship season, the truth is, based on your own eye test or based on the stats or based on whatever else, Carter put together a year last year that put him right alongside all of the guys that departed off last year's team even though Carter was at least a year younger than most of those guys if not two years younger in some cases the performance that Jalen Carter gave you last year kind of puts you right there in the conversation for anybody a year ago and all of a sudden this team sort of belongs to him now that that he emerged last season in a way that Georgia fans were certainly very well aware of and now here in 2022, not playing in the shadow in the spotlight of guys like Trayvon Walker and Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis, he gets to show the world what he's already shown UGA fans about just how valuable that he can be and maybe a little bit of evidence thus far that maybe not all of that has been noticed to the degree that it possibly could. Let me um, start this way. So I think one of the most thoughtful players in the Georgia roster right now is Zion Logue. Now, I also think that Logue himself can have a really big year for UGA, kind of doing some of the things that Jordan Davis did last season. Certainly unfair to say Zion Logue is the next Jordan Davis for Georgia because that is truly a load to live up to because of all the different ways in which Jordan Davis was a you know, leader by example on the field, but also a spiritual, emotional leader off, you know, off the field. But we know that Zion Logue is a pretty important part of this situation for UJ here this season. In fact, he was one of the players tabbed last week to speak about the dogs as the upcoming season kicked off and that summer camp kind of kicked off for UGA last week. And one of the things that that he discussed there for a moment is the luxury that you have as a defensive lineman getting to line up and play alongside a, a Jalen Carter. I think this is really good. He was asked specifically, hey, what are all the ways in which Carter's going to be used here? And that kind of you know sort of leads into the notion of how about you getting a chance to play alongside him and kind of form sort of a partner in crime with him and wreaking havoc on those opposing offenses. This is all really good from Logue. Now, it's, once again, you got a lot of room noise and door slamming and things like that. You just can't seem to eliminate that when it comes to some of these player interviews, but I at least want you to get a taste of this, and hopefully you can make it out. Zion Logue talking about the luxury of playing next to a great defensive lineman like Jalen Carter. Take a listen to this. I mean, I don't even think he knows. I think he's just, just being him, just like being that strong enforcer, like he's not going to be blocking. He's not going to want you to block him. He's not want you to touch him, so whenever he can quick swim you or get his, get you off of him, I think that's when he's, that's the, he's, when he's at his best. Does it make your job easier having played beside him, knowing the attention he's probably going to get? I think we piggyback off each other. I think it like makes both of us, both of our jobs easier because we know where we need to be, we know what we got to do. So we can just look at each other and be like, hey, we got to do this, we got to do that. So I think it kind of plays both hands. So you hear Zion Logue talking about the value of a guy like Jalen Carter, what he brings to the table um obviously as impressive as he is and yet you sort of get the impression that not everybody realizes what Zion Logue knows what Georgia fans themselves saw of Carter last season you get the impression as good as Jalen was that he hasn't fully introduced himself yet to the rest of the country national media or fans kind of outside the uh, bubble of dog nation sort of get the impression that hasn't happened yet i thought that connor riley had an interesting piece at dognation.com this week looking at a guy named bruce feldman feldman's kind of a famous fancy national writer and one of the things that he does each and every year which i think is actually really f like a fun piece he does his hundred he calls them his freaks these are like the athletic freaks guys who have a level of athleticism oftentimes combined with great size that's 
unlike anything you know we used to see right these these are like the top end of the top end in, in terms of truly elite athletes that kind of bring a huge level of wow factor either because of a combination of size and strength or because of outright speed or, or whatever else and georgia had three players on the so-called freaks list from bruce feldman who now writes for the athletic although he's been writing this piece i believe predating his time there for the subscription website uh but the georgia freaks according to bruce feldman are keely ringo arian smith and brock bowers and no one, I think, would dispute, well, when you look at Arian Smith's speed, obviously he belongs in a discussion like this. And no one would dispute Keely Ringo in a place like this either. Just, you know, beyond the fact that he had the game-winning interception in the national championship game, you know, Ringo's got this great speed, but also from a quarterback standpoint, got the big frame, long arm, stands up pretty tall. You know, this is a pretty big guy to be doing what he's doing from the cornerback position. These are the kinds of athletic freaks that Georgia seeks when it comes to its defensive backs, and Ringo obviously is a version of that. When you see Brock Bowers doing what he's doing, it's obvious that he ought to be on the list there as well. When a guy like that, big enough to play tight end, catch the football, turns and runs, and in a lot of cases it leaves defensive backs just sort of standing in his wake, well, that's obviously an athletic freak. Maybe he doesn't give that vibe off standing up and just kind of walking around in street clothes the way that an Eric Gilbert or Darnell Washington would, but watching him play, you clearly know he brings sort of a freakish athletic ability to the table. It doesn't take very long to, to notice that when you're watching him play. But there's part of me that wonders, where's Jalen Carter on this list? And this is not like one of those official lists. This is not the kind of thing to be mad about. But it is, I think, at least a little bit interesting that a guy like Carter, who has been as good as he's been, still hasn't quite gotten the level of attention that maybe he should. And it kind of fits into a larger narrative that seems to have been out there for the Georgia defense for a while. Because another thing that Zion Logue talked about in the press conference interview that I just played you a clip from a moment ago was the notion that Logue wants to see Georgia get back to being what it was last season, an athletic, you know, uh, you know, kind of a, a no-name defense. That's what Georgia was sort of thought to be a year ago. I've never really liked that moniker for the Georgia you know, defense because the truth is, for me, the reason why I think no one player stood out from the rest of the crowd last season is not because they were all nondescript and role players, things like that. It's almost because they were all so good that no one player could outshine the rest of the group. I sort of think of last year's defense, sort of the college football version what the 92 Dream Team once would have been. Like there's no superstar on the, on the group because everybody's a superstar. And so from that standpoint, sometimes I think the notion of the no-name defense, which Georgia kind of got tabbed with from time to time, was a little bit of a misnomer and a little bit of an incorrect moniker, but Zion Logue said this week he'd like to see Georgia kind of get back to that. He wants to see Georgia kind of re-embrace that, his, himself included, and his teammates sort of embrace that. Well, if you're looking to see Georgia be a, a no-name defense again here in 2022, Jalen Carter not being noticed for the athletic freak that he is, maybe that's a step in the right direction for you on this because certainly – Carter's level of play on the field would suggest that he ought to be on anybody's list of athletic freaks and he ought to be on anybody's radar if you're a national writer or or just sort of big time college football fan who thinks of yourself as very plugged in Jalen Carter ought to very much be uh, someone that you're very well aware of if not for the reason we've said before that there's already plenty of ESPN folks who sort of think of him it's a potential number one overall pick or at least a guy that could be taken in the very in, in the top 10 very early on in the first round of the NFL draft at the very least Carter's in a discussion like that but when you look at what he did a year ago playing in the shadow of other eventual first round picks like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker once again Carter seemingly more than held his own let me show you this stat on the screen if you're watching on video from a tweet from Bill Conley sometimes the analytic stuff the fancy stat stuff can be a little overwhelming and frankly a little bit boring but in Conley's case here he gives us a stat that's very easy to understand I'm going to read this to you he tweeted this just a couple of days ago on August the 9th Conley writes on last year's Georgia defense do everything linebacker Nicobe Dean made tackles on 11.4 percent of the snaps he was in the game Conley says that's a very high percentage and it's easy to understand why Dean's percentage would be so high he was flying around all over the field However, by way of comparison, Conley writes that Jalen Carter, the guy we're talking about right now, made tackles on 11.7% of his snaps. Conley says, as a 310-pound nose tackle, he's doing that? That's unfair. So what Conley's saying here is, is that a guy like N'Kobe Dean flying around all over the place, that 
actually Jalen Carter last year had tackles on a slightly higher percentage of the snaps he was on the field than Kobe Dean did last season. That gives you an idea of the kind of athleticism that Carter's bringing to that defensive line position, and it's one of the reasons why I think he probably is the best player on this entire roster for the upcoming season, certainly in this defense, and anybody's definition of an athletic freak, it's pretty obvious that's exactly what Jalen Carter is. Now, we also heard a little chatter about Carter the other day when Glenn Schumann, one of those new co-defensive coordinators for the Dogs, when he met with reporters, I thought Connor Riley asked him a very good question. Obviously, our colleague, Connor. He said, hey, what is the best version of, of Jalen Carter look like how can you how can you best deploy the prodigious skill set that he brings to the table and Schumann kind of speaks in some careful language here but nonetheless on the theme of what we're talking about right now this is what Schumann said that he's looking to see more of from Jalen Carter this season this from the other day I think the best version of anyone right is somebody who plays when you play defensive football you have to you know play at a certain level in terms of your effort right, and toughness, your mentality, uh, your competitive edge, right, so the best version for him, anyone else in the front, anyone else in the defense will be those traits, playing as hard as you possibly can with the toughness required um, and, and competing, right, you got to win your battles, right, and that's what we'll expect of all our guys and especially him. So let me see if I can sum this up this way. I'm not mad that Jalen Carter was overlooked on an unofficial list from a national writer, nor do I think you should be either. If anything, it's probably a good thing because here's the one thing we know. Carter won't be overlooked come NFL draft time because the path that he's traveling right now looks pretty similar to the path that a few dogs traveled last season. Kind of not really paid that much attention to in the preseason chatter and sort of thought to be ensemble pieces in a so-called no-name defense and yet they added together to become component parts to an eventual national champion. And a lot of those guys are very rich men today, already turning heads in their first NFL training camp. And for Georgia fans who want this year to be like last year, this is a clue that, hey, at least in one respect, it kind of is. The very good players, true freaks, game-changing performers aren't quite getting the attention that maybe they deserve, that they haven't quite fully acquainted themselves, I'm talking about folks outside our bubble, with exactly how good guys like Jalen Carter are. But UGA fans can rest well knowing with full confidence that come September 3rd against Oregon and every other game after that, they'll remember the name of exactly who Jalen Carter is. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video. We start 945, first and 15, dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, when the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous DogNation.com, Apple, Spotify, everything else in between. And we really appreciate our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for being a big part of what we're doing here around here. They are your source for Georgia divorce. And I realize that's not as much fun as the normal topic we talk about. Georgia football and Jalen Carter kind of introducing himself to the national media and showing why he's about to be a top 10 pick. That's a fun discussion, right? Everybody wants to be a part of that. At least around here we do. But the divorce conversation, that's not one that you necessarily would volunteer to be a part of. But some of you have found yourself in a discussion like that nonetheless. And here's what I can tell you. If I could make this disappear for you, I really would. And if you can save your marriage, you should. But if you find yourself in the situation where your relationship's just coming to an end, that's where that's where Meriwether and Tharp can step in. They can be a big resource for you because they are your source for Georgia divorce. That means they can explain to you how the law is going to work for you. They can talk about how it impacts your finances. They can talk about how it impacts your children or what comes next for you in life. Because here's what we truly believe. The next season of your life can be a happy one. And you can make decisions now that benefit you then. But our folks at Meriwether and Tharp are going to be an important resource for you as you learn how to do all that. So check out their website. It's the theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's the theatlantadivorceteam.com. You can engage with their free resources like blog posts and podcasts and things like that. 
and that can educate you on how to ask better questions when you have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. And after that, you can make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to work for you to make sure you get everything you need, everything you deserve, and to make sure you are well set up for what comes next for you in life after this. So reach out to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. You can find them online, the theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's the theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, we're going to get Terrence Edwards here coming up in a moment. Always fun to do a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with Terrence here. Looking forward to being back at Marlowe's again on September 1st. We'll talk more about that then. First, though, let's get ready to go around the doghouse. And it's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And I want to stay on the theme of defense here for a moment because in one example a moment ago, hey, a Georgia player may be not getting the attention that he deserves. Another example here of maybe a young UGA player possibly getting more attention than a guy like Kirby Smart would want him to get. You know, Kirby was asked last week about uh you know a lot of those young sort of standout recruits in the class of 2022 and in particular the position group that has such a large number of those right now is in the defensive secondary georgia signed a secondary hall last season especially when you think about a reclassified marcus washington kind of added into this georgia signed a secondary hall last year that literally for someone like me even who's given to you know prone to hyperbole i'm not quite so sure you can be too hyperbolic about this One of the best secondaries that's ever been signed by anybody was signed by Georgia in the 2022 recruiting class. That's how good that it was. And so, as you might imagine, as Georgia's kicking off summer camp and getting ready to go with these practices that will lead into the start of the 2022 season, Smart was asked to assess, hey, you know, Jaheim Singletary and Dalen Everett and Malachi Starks and uh, Julian Humphrey, a lot of these big guys that you brought in, how are you feeling about these guys right now? And Smart's pretty careful to say, you know, listen, let's be careful not hyping these guys up too much. This was smart on his young, talented, new-coming defensive backs from last week. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I feel like most of them are not really freshmen because I guess a couple of them were with us in the uh, in spring. So the two safeties, uh, Malachi and Ja'Cory, got a lot of work, a lot of work in the spring, and they still got a long way to go um to be a viable option to play this year you know i mean you show me a freshman db that played in the sec i'll show you a guy that gave up plays all right that's the common denominator now every now and then you have a guy come along who's just you know i think of when stingley was a freshman i think of a couple of those guys that had to play as freshmen they played really big it happens from time to time and if you're going to have a guy be an elite player as a freshman it's usually at a skill position like receiver running back or defensive back um i don't foresee one of those guys just coming in and dominating um, a lot of the accolades that come with them they dropped them at the door uh, and they go to sweating and they go to work so we're not going to live off high rankings and and what people said about them because there's a lot of good football players out there that you guys didn't rank high or didn't have high so it goes both ways um we will need those guys to be core special teams players. We will need those guys to be ready to play um, in the case of you know injuries, targetings, or whatever may may be there. But we've got to get them ready by how we prepare in this training camp. And I'm excited about all those guys. So maybe kind of a classic level of de-recruiting there from Kirby Smart. We've seen coaches do this for what seems like eons of, hey, you guys rated these guys high, but you don't, you know, y'all rated plenty of guys in the past before high, and they didn't go on to be the kinds of players that we think they could be. You know, what Kirby's saying there sounds a lot like what we've heard coaches say in the past. And as I said before, you know, you can maybe make the case that not everybody fully realizes how good a veteran player like Jalen Carter it really is right now. But Smart would probably say, hey, some of my young guys, freshmen in defensive back situation in particular, maybe they're getting more attention than I want them to get. I saw where ESPN.com the other day listed Malachi Starks, for instance. That's one of the guys that Smart mentioned there directly as one of the top newcomers in college football for the upcoming season, along with Mikael Williams. We'll probably focus more on Mikael at some point in time in the future. But Starks was kind of mentioned as one of those guys. And the reason Starks was included, according to the ESPN writers, was the fact that it's kind of viewed that maybe George is a little thin at safety right now. Maybe you need uh, a boost from one of your uh, freshmen and maybe a guy like Starks because of how highly rated he was as a recruit maybe has a chance to get that done. And and, and maybe that is the case. I, mean, I think it remains to be seen if Georgia truly is thin at safety. They We know they have an outstanding one in Christopher Smith, and you got guys like Dan Jackson who've certainly played at a high and competent level prior to that. So maybe George is not quite as thin as ESPN seems to suggest there, but that doesn't change the outlook for Stark. So if you're betting on freshmen to kind of step up and play in a big way, you might put a chip or two down on the uh, Starks part of the table there because 
I think he could do that. I also thought it was really interesting when Smart was asked, because Stark is technically listed as an athlete on the Georgia roster. Does that mean he's going to play some offense? Smart gave you as short an answer as you can get on that, saying no, that's not the case. They're clearly focusing him in on the defensive side right now, and I do think that ESPN may end up being right about this, and maybe he does end up kind of breaking out a bit. What I've told you before is, that if we put 100 smart Georgia fans in a room, guys who and gals who follow this stuff pretty closely, and we said, of these freshman defensive backs, who do you like the most and who do you think could play the best, the soonest for Georgia? Some people would say Malachi Starks. Some people might say Dalen Everett. Some people might say Slim Singletary. Some people might even say Julian Humphrey or Ja'Cory Thomas or on and on you go. You may have different people who gravitate towards different names. They wouldn't have brought Marcus Washington Jr. in as a 2022 signing if they didn't think he had a chance to do that either. So there's different reasons to gravitate towards different guys. And while I may not be quite so sure which of these freshmen is going to truly pop the quickest for Georgia, my assumption is, just based on the law of large numbers, that one of them probably will. That for a Georgia secondary that includes what I think of as probably a couple of sure things in Keely Ringo and Christopher Smith and probably a couple of unanswered questions, the opposite cornerback, the opposite safety, before the year is done, it seems likely to me that one of these hotshot incoming freshmen inserts themselves in a big way into this discussion and becomes the kind of guy that Georgia can rely on. There are probably some growing pains along the way. Smart warns you about that there. But some of those growing pains may result in a pretty capable player by the time Georgia gets to the games that matter most. That is Around the Doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And listen, ServePro steps up for you at a time in which you really need them. Let's say you have fire damage in your home. Let's say you have water damage. Let's say, let's say you have things like that. Well, for something like your home, which you have a huge emotional connection to, that can be a really overwhelming thing to experience. And that's why ServePro steps in to clean it all up get it all fixed, their restoration specialist can take care of this for you like it never even happened. And honestly, that's what you want in a situation like this. You want it to all go away, and ServPro can basically be that. They can clean it up for you like it never happened. If you're watching on video, you see what their army of equipment and folks look like showing up at your home or your uh, commercial facility, whatever else, and getting you cleaned up, getting you taken care of. And that's what ServPro is all about. They're also, all their franchises are independently owned and operated, which means you're doing business with someone that has just as much of a stake in the outcome as you do. They want you to be happy because that's how they thrive. That's how their business grows. And so that's what they are all about. So my invitation to you is to check them out online, servepro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servepro.com. Find out about what their restoration specialists can do for you if you've dealt with fire damage or water damage or anything like that that can make for a pretty substantial cleanup. Servepro is all about that. They can fix you up literally like it never even happened. So find out uh, more, servepro.com, to check out ServPro today. That's S-C-R-V, servepro.com. All right, before we're done, we're going to kind of get into this sort of odd dust-up over the course of the last couple of days related to recruits at the Georgia-Florida game. It's truly going on with all of this. We'll talk about that before we are done here today. But for now, everything on UGA with a big first scrimmage looming on Saturday. Let's talk about the dogs, preseason preparations with our good friend Terrence Edwards. It is a Marlowe's Tavern insider update. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Great to see Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily and our Marlowe's Tavern insider update. And Terrence, I was mentioning this a moment ago, and first of all, it's nice to have you here. But Saturday is a pretty big day for the dogs in terms of the coaches, their ongoing evaluation of kind of what you look like getting ready for September 3rd, but also for players who kind of want to make a name for themselves and make sure they are in line to be a part of the game planning once it finally happens to get ready for the Ducks in Oregon on September 3rd. Making a name for yourself in a scrimmage like this is probably a, a pretty big deal, is it not? Oh, it is. Definitely is. It's an opportunity to show the, the, the coaches that you can actually – and it'll help the team. Uh, it's a big trust factor right now. Uh, it, it's different just going 11 on 11 with the coaches standing behind you. Not that full fledged scrimmage with coaches on the sideline. There's no one behind you, uh, kind of uh, holding your hand per se in, in 11 on 11 drills and 7 on 7. That's a full fledged scrimmage. And now you get to put it on tape. Everything that you've been training for, everything that you've been practicing for. Now you get to put it on tape. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be in between the hedges or at the practice here, but it's a big opportunity for a lot of the young guys, or even the guys who haven't played as much, 
to go ahead and put your resume resume on tape so the coaches now can evaluate you and, and possibly elevate you into a, a starter's role or a uh, secondary role. Yeah, you mentioned traveling over to the stadium for that. That's what Georgia will do on Saturday. And I try to put myself in the mind of a player, and obviously I don't have the body of a player, so I would never be able to, to know what they go through necessarily. But I have to imagine that after a few days of being, whether it be in the indoor facility or the, the regular practice field, it must feel a little bit different to, to go over to the stadium. It must feel a little bit different to to kind of be in that environment where the actual games are played. And if you're trying to create a, a game-like environment for a scrimmage, the true kind of competitive nature of 11-on-11 football, then being there between the hedges for that is probably about the easiest way to make that happen, right? Oh, most definitely. And it's also like the ride over, especially for guys who haven't had an opportunity to uh, see the operations of what happens from the bus mirror uh, to the field. Uh, riding that bus, the anticipation of going into the stadium, uh, it's different, man. When you look up, and granted, there won't be 98 screaming dog fans in there this Saturday, but just the lure of playing between the hedges, seeing the hedges and seeing the, the stadium. Now, being able to see that flag flying, the national champ flag, flag that's going to yeah. bring a different feel to to the to the whole stadium of scrimmage. And for the guys who haven't played in that uh, environment, it's a little different. Uh, it's even going to be different without the fans. So those guys now have to um, put your resume on tape, like I said. Now show the coaches that now on, on a, a dog Saturday with screaming fans, you can handle playing in that stadium, and just and it's just fun. This is what you sign up for. This is what college football is all about. It's not your high school stadium. This is this is Sanford Stadium between the edges, and that means a lot to a lot of these guys. You and I talked a good bit about Jalen Carter last week to move on to the Georgia defense for a moment. And I think there's more evidence out here that Terrence, while a guy like you who follows the game closely knows how good Jalen Carter is, someone like me and virtually every other Georgia fan is very well aware of this too. There is a lot of evidence right now that a lot of people who consider themselves to be pretty plugged into college football, whether it be national writers or fans from kind of outside the bubble of Dog Nation or SEC country, there seems to be, I think, a lack of realization that Jalen Carter was an impact player for Georgia a year ago on a defense that had a lot of eventual first-round picks. And in light of their departure, Jalen Carter can be right there alongside Will Anderson Jr. in the conversation for the nation's best defensive player and the kind of catalyst that can make the Georgia defense in 2022 look a lot like the one from 2021 did. It's almost like people don't quite yet seem to be aware of how good Carter is. Now, we know NFL scouts know that. There were eight gazillion of them at practice this week. But it seems like there are a lot of folks who may be about to find out that Georgia still has itself a very good defensive lineman despite all they lost from last year's team. Oh, most definitely. You know, his his play got over, overshadowed by Jordan Davis, and rightfully so. Jordan, you know, was uh, the fan favorite, uh, the best dog, you know. I mean, you just look at his Jordan Davis interview just from yesterday yeah. about the, the tape that just went out. So you can see and understand why he was, you know, the fan favorite. And, you know, his play, let alone his personality, made him a fan favorite. And it kind of overshadowed what George, what uh, what Jalen Carter did last year on that defense. He's a, he was a vital part of why we were so good defensively. And now I think people outside of the South are going to understand why he's so heavily touted within NFL ranks. Um, I mean, I, and I saw this back in high school. We spoke about this last weekend. I think now uh, with the national stage playing against Oregon and the Bend, people are going to see and understand why Jalen Carter is considered to probably be a top 10 pick. No, I think you're right about that. Uh, we also heard a little bit before you joined us from Kirby Smart on the topic of a lot of those freshman defensive backs. And I, I've said, Terrence, I'm not quite so sure very many programs ever have signed a crop of defensive backs as talented as one that Georgia brought in from last season it sort of stands to reason that at least one of those guys probably breaks out at some point in time this year that you can't have that many elite talents without having someone step up from the crowd Malachi Stark seems to be a pretty safe bet on that one of the cornerbacks like a Dalen Everett or some Singletary maybe that's a, a guy you would discuss in that you know realm too I and mean, we know that Kirby is going to try to dampen those expectations and not get too out in front of praise on something like this and yet at the same time it just sort of seems like you know one of these guys probably will be heard from in a big way before the year is done 
I, I know you did a lot of battle with defensive backs over the course of your football playing career. Is there one of these young incoming freshman defensive backs that you're maybe more impressed with or kind of thinking about more so than the others here at the moment? Man, I've had opportunity to watch all of their films, and I think each one of them brings a different skill set. I think uh, Singleton is probably the best out of the group for skill set-wise. He's long. He's rangy. I think Humphrey out of Texas is probably the fastest out of the three. Uh, his catch-up ability is probably the rawest out of the three, and I think Dylan Everett is probably the, the biggest out of the three. So they all three bring a different dynamic to the game, but I love the, the skill set of all three of them. I think all three of them is going to turn into uh, some really good players. And, you know, I think the, the, the best help from the secondary is the, is the front seven. And having talented guys like we have right now, yes, they're young but very talented, but we have a front seven like Georgia has. It's just going to make those guys even better. So I'm just looking for that next guy who's going to step up opposite of Keelan Ringo and seems like uh, Lassiter is going to be that guy. But I'm very, very happy about the talent that we have in the back end. Yes, probably the weak link right now, not talent-wise, but in experience-wise. Um, I also like the safeties that we brought in as well. So the secondary hall that, that Georgia brought in this year is, is unprecedented in my mind of the talent that we do have back there, if all those guys can actually put it together, this will probably be the most talented secondary that we have ever seen in Georgia history. Oh, as far as talking about it talent-wise, I, I, I love all these guys' skill sets. I love that. I love to hear that, Terrence. That's great stuff. I want to ask you one more thing about the defense there as well. You know, one of the things I said a little earlier this week was is that maybe my biggest question related to what Georgia's going to be defensively this season is how it replicates the pass rush that it had a year ago. Because for everything that everybody said about the 2021 defense and the historic nature of that defense, the truth is there have been a lot of other defenses, even in the smart era, that have come pretty close to matching most of the of the statistical benchmarks that Georgia put forth last year. The one way, though, in which last year's defense for Georgia greatly exceeded anything that had come before that was how it got after quarterbacks this group a year ago had 49 sacks whereas in previous year kind of a low 30s total would have been about what you would have come to expect from the dogs when it comes to sacking quarterbacks in your mind Terrence how important is that for Georgia to find a way to kind of get back after quarterbacks again this year and get back over that 40 mark which I've sort of mentioned as kind of a line that's important here can you be 40 plus when it comes to sack total how important is that for you in your mind it's very important, but uh, one thing about last year's defense that we had uh, experienced guys in the secondary. Um, so that's, that helps. And can you blitz more with a young secondary? That's one of the things that we would have to watch out for is do you put those young guys in, in predicaments that they can't hold up in the back end because we're, we're sending one more defender than they could block? Uh, can we trust that yet? So, you know, I, I think the sack total should this year be around the same, just with the front seven. But it, it just all depends on do Kirby and company trust the back end to hold up once we blitz and leaving areas of the field acceptable. Because once you blitz, there is a open void in every blitz. So now we just have to be able to get to the quarterback so the offense can't find that open area. Um, other field. So I'm curious to see how much we blitz those, those, the front seven, and hopefully the back end can hold up. I think that's really interesting. Let me remind folks, it's our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with Terrence Edwards right now and a couple great things going on at Marlowe's. One of those I want you to be aware of, a chance to enjoy uh, the convenience and the rewards that come your way when you become a Marlowe's Tavern Insider. This is a great club to be a part of. It's very easy to sign up when you download the Marlowe's app. You can register right there. You also get $10 off, $30 just for signing up. And if you want to know, what do I get when I'm a Marlowe's Tavern Insider? Let me give you some of these features and benefits right now. When you dine at a Marlowe's Tavern, you spend at least $15 on food or beverage. You're going to earn a qualified visit. Now, when you get four qualified visits, you're going to receive a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit. And you can redeem that at any of your favorite Marlowe's Taverns, including the one right there in your neighborhood. 
can also get special offers on your birthday and everything else. So go to uh, and find the Marlowe's Tavern app, download that, and take the step towards becoming a Marlowe's Tavern insider today. Uh, of course, we're happy to have Terrence Edwards as our Dog Nation insider here right now. Also, don't forget this, Thursday, September the 1st, we're going to be at the Marlowe's in Dunwoody for our big season kickoff event there. Can't wait to have you on hand for that. It starts at 6 p.m. It's going to be a great event, a great way to celebrate Dog Nation's return to the uh, upcoming football season, looking ahead to Georgia, Oregon. A lot of fun and surprises on hand for you on all of that. But can't wait to see you Thursday, September the 1st, right there at Marlowe's in Dunwoody, at the, Dun- at the Marlowe's Tavern in the Dunwoody Village Shopping Center. That's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. Hope you'll uh, make plans to be with us there. 6 p.m. starting on Thursday, September 1st. What a uh, night that's going to be. Going to be a great time. All right, Terrence, my uh, last question for you is this. We expect to hear from Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin probably today for a press conference. And I think that Munkin is such an important figure for Georgia this year because in his two years as Georgia offensive coordinator, we've seen big dramatic improvement over the previous year. That's a real success story that Munkin can tell for himself here but going into year three it seems like there's the chance to do even more of that here and maybe be a little bit more part of the story for why Georgia is back in national championship contention here this season so my question is as someone who knows the coaching game you're a very accomplished coach uh former great player at UGA you put up big stats there if you could ask Todd Munkin a question or if you kind of think about your own questions about what you hope to see from the Georgia offense here this season what would be on your mind related to that what are you curious about when it comes to a Georgia offense that we hope to learn more about when we hear from Munkin maybe later on today my biggest question only question is how you're going to utilize those four big tight ends that you have um you know I think those guys bring mismatches that uh, just a normal receiver can't bring just with the size the speed I think all those tight ends bring a different dimension to the game so how are you going to incorporate all those tight ends into the offense and, and keep them happy and get them the ball? That's probably my one question I would ask, would like to ask is, you know, as a play caller, something I have done on a high school level, just being able to have the toys to go out and, and play with. He has the toys, and those toys are four big human beings that can play the game of football. Terrence, I think that's a really great point to bring up and a great way to close out our conversation here today. Remind folks, speaking about being an accomplished coach, how they can get in touch with you, Terrence Edwards, Wide Receiver Academy. I know you've always got some great things going on and busy on social media, so how can folks find out more about that? Well, if you're looking to continue to grow as a receiver, I'm only doing it on weekends right now since I do coach high school football, but Saturdays and Sundays, Saturdays before the Georgia game, uh, we will do maintenance. It's not full workout. It's just continue to develop your footwork, your you know, hand-eye coordination, and your body control. Um, so if you want to continue to grow as the season goes on, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for your time. We'll look forward to speaking to you again soon here as a part of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So let me tell you one of the things that always interests me as someone who asks questions sometimes, whether it be in a press conference situation or in an interview situation like that with a guy who played the game. I'm always interested in an answer that comes without hesitation. In other words, it's not the kind of thing that has to be thought about. It's the kind of thing that just feels so true it sort of leaps out and it was interesting there to ask Terrence hey if you could ask Todd Munkin any question what would your question be if you could find out anything you don't currently know what would you want to know and Terrence doesn't hesitate to say I want to find out how you use all those tight ends and I think for a lot of Georgia fans their big question for Munkin would be related to the same thing too because it is seemingly a little bit of an odd chemistry here in that a good portion of Georgia's very best and potentially most dynamic players on offense all seem to rest the tight end position. And we certainly know that Georgia wants a lot of those on the field, almost always maybe playing or at least frequently playing in kind of a two tight end set and maybe at times even kind of doing the three tight end set, maybe just for kind of a, a wink and a nod, maybe eventually having all four guys out there at one time, maybe, or even more than you know that. Obviously, there are other tight ends like Brett Scyther and Rylan Goldie, who I think would have a chance to also make a name for themselves too if the right situation were to to make itself available but the point is is that george is incredibly deep at the tight end spot and how do you use all those guys effectively and i've said before that while 
I think there is potential for almost any of these guys to be good. The reality is it's probably only going to be a couple of guys who really get utilized that way because there are just only so many touches and snaps and and you know opportunities to, to get the football to go around there. And it kind of remains to be seen, well, who is that guy that joins Brock Bowers among the tight ends most targeted in this Georgia passing attack here this season? But very interesting to hear Terrence Edwards with very little hesitation that of all the questions facing Munkin right now, that one stood out as the most interesting to him. And I think we should all pay attention to that too as we get ready to hear Todd Munkin a little bit later on today. For now, though, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean to remind you whether it's one of those three or four night trips on the Bahamas going to Perfect Day Coco Cay, or whether it's a seven night sailing on one of these big Oasis class ships, whatever Royal Caribbean cruise vacation feels right for you, there is still a chance for you to take advantage of some great savings on all of that. I'm talking about when it comes to that kids sale free promotion that Royal Caribbean's running right now. And I'm talking about that 30% off all cruiser sale that's been going on there too. So Royal Caribbean really enticing you to get adva- take advantage of a great time to be back on the seas again and a great opportunity to enjoy all the ports that Royal Caribbean visits, all the great amenities on board, the terrific Royal Caribbean cruise ships. This is a time to take advantage of that with really as good a sale as you're going to find. Kids sale free, 30% off all cruisers. This is available to you right now. Reach out to our friends, the Cruise and Vacation Authority. You can find them online at tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. You can check all of that out today. Our friends there are going to help you get booked up with a great price on a great experience, a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. I've got two of them coming up uh, after the football season is done, and many of you are making those same kind of plans right now. But make sure you do it with the great savings opportunity that's available to you from our friends at Royal Caribbean. All right, let's go bouncing around here. And a little bit of injury talk here off the top. Florida suffering uh, one of its top wide receivers suffering a foot injury, Ricky Pearsall. That kind of leaves him out indefinitely for the moment. You're going to hear me mention another foot injury here in a second. And this is one of those things where it seems like this time of year, we hear more about foot injuries than maybe any other portion of the year and maybe almost like more of these sort of foot injuries than almost any other kind of injury. He had a lot of those last year for Georgia, too. And there's always, I believe, kind of an incorrect, I guess, temptation that pops in on all this to say, well, what's wrong if so-and-so program's having these injuries? And some even Georgia fans were like, why is my favorite team dealing with foot injuries last year? And there's a thing that wants to go on where you got to find somebody to blame for it. But honestly, I'm just not quite so sure, you know, what you do about that you're going to hear multiple foot injuries today you're going to hear multiple of those you run through the month of august and i don't really know how pearsall hurt himself but the fact of the matter is when you got big guys wearing cleats and they're all standing close together and they're working on getting their timing and rhythm down the potential for injury is pretty great and for florida here pretty early on in the first camp for uh, billy napier the new coach you're kind of dealing with what you don't want to be dealing with which is an injury to a pretty important player and in the case of pearsall this might end up being, if, especially if, if he were to be fully healthy, this might end up being the most valuable pass-catching target for quarterback Anthony Richardson here this year. A lot of the story for Florida this offseason has been around building confidence in Richardson, building confidence in the players around Richardson, that he is the guy, something that Dan Mullen never seemed to buy into. Billy Napier has tried to recast that as Anthony Richardson's our guy, a quarterback. He was brought to SEC Media Days, and they're trying to make him the focal point of the team. Well, if you're Richardson, you've got to have somebody to throw to, and Pearsall was supposed to be that guy. Maybe eventually he is that. But in the early stage of the season, they could be in some trouble here. He's out indefinitely. That's the description. So we don't know how long that is, but we do know this. Important early season games for Florida against Utah, against Kentucky. The LSU game kind of looms there. The Tennessee game kind of looms there. Uh, Whether it be the Pearsall injury or some other injury that pops up, these are kind of razor-thin margin sort of coin toss type games, and you sort of keep those in mind how injuries can swing the balance there. Sometimes we have a tendency to overrate the impact of a single injury on a college football team. But for Florida, knowing they're going to be playing so many close games early, or at least games that are expected to be close, uh, a fully healthy slate of players is a pretty important part of making sure they give themselves the best chance to win on that. The Pearsall injury does not help anything. 
Uh, we have a little bit more of an uh, of an idea about another injured wide receiver, JoJo Earl from Alabama. This is another one of those big signees from the class of 2021. Earl was like a top 50 national recruit, so to speak, uh, around that uh, you know variety. So this is a pretty big time recruit to receiver position. Also, one of the guys that Alabama hopes to kind of have step in this year in place a lot of guys that Alabama lost from a season ago but Earl also dealing with a little bit of a foot thing here right now too going to keep him out for I think they're saying at least a month if not six to eight weeks there on that so another injury for Alabama at the wide receiver position I'm not going to joke about this because you know we don't really joke about you know player injuries necessarily but um but for an Alabama program they've just had a lot of these and as we've said before you know when you put so much of your program's identity on the basis of quarterback throwing to wide receivers, you better hope none of them get hurt because it becomes a whole lot harder to be what you want to be. And, you know, Earl's by far, you know, far from the only elite, you know, potentially talented wide receiver Alabama has. This is also an injury of note there for the Crimson Tide there as well. Nick Saban talked about that this week. So Earl, another receiver in the SEC, going to be on the shelf there for a little while. I thought that Tom Fernelli had an interesting piece at cbssports.com to transition here for a moment about what he calls his chaos teams around college football the kinds of teams that could really sort of mess up the the season-long narratives that were in place and the two sec teams that got mentioned one being shane beamer and the south carolina gamecocks the other being the auburn tigers now i'm when you think about like the potential for both the gamecocks and the tigers to be sort of teams that add to the overall chaos of the season one of the reasons why South Carolina would have a chance to do this is because of the schedule they play. You know, they get a chance to play Georgia at home. They host Georgia. They'll get a chance to play Clemson at the end of the season. They've got a quarterback in Spencer Rattler that seemingly gives you a little bit of a puncher's chance in a lot of the games you would be playing, a chance to pull that upset. South Carolina also goes on the road to Arkansas. That's kind of an interesting game out of the SEC West. That Shane Beamer, if he does build on what he did in year one, they could have a say in who makes it to Atlanta for the SEC championship game or who makes it into the college football playoff, especially from the standpoint of Clemson that's trying to claw their way back into that discussion. The Gamecocks themselves, not quite good enough yet to be SEC East contenders, but they could have a say in how the rest of the postseason shakes out. That's probably true. That's also probably true for Auburn there as well. Auburn has the lowest projected season win total in the SEC West. Most of the major sports books have it at just five and a half, but they're also above the so-called blue chip ratio threshold that Bud Elliott writes about 247sports.com. 54% of their signees over the course of the last four years have been either four or five-star recruits. So technically, by the thinnest, barest of margins, they make the 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 sort of bare minimum amount of former blue chip recruits necessary to be a national championship contender we sort of know that's not really what Auburn is but they have recruited better than a lot of other teams have and you can kind of easily imagine well what if Zach Calzada who seems to have the inside track on winning that quarterback job what if he ends up being a little bit more like the version of himself that played very well against Alabama and a lot less like the version of Zach Calzada that played in almost every other game last season what if you paired good quarterback with overall relatively high amount of talent, even for a team that's not expected to win very many games? At that point in time, Auburn does become dangerous. Once again, they play Georgia, they play Alabama, they almost beat Alabama a year ago with a team that was really pretty bad, all things considered, that they could be one of those teams that could insert some chaos into the college football season. And I would say that, and you've heard me say this before, but I'd say this again about any of those SEC West teams, Auburn to a small degree, teams like LSU, Texas A&M to a larger degree, and even a little bit of a Florida thing on this too, that if you've got more than half your roster that is former four- and five-star signees, which all those teams I just mentioned do, in the case of LSU, they're above 60%. In the case of A&M, they're almost, I think, right at 70%. If any of those teams finds quarterback, once again, they become a lot more of a stumbling block for an Alabama or maybe even a Georgia about making the college football playoff that if any of the teams I just mentioned can find a true signal call and it's not obvious they will in fact it may be a safe bet they won't certainly in the case of A&M they've had a hard time doing that maybe Max Johnson changes that LSU has brought in a guy like Jaden Daniels in from Arizona State but part of the reason he left Arizona State is he hasn't shown you in the recent times the the kind of level of moxie and success that he showed when he was a true freshman 
at this point, Jaden Daniels just may not be very good. And, of course, Auburn's got its own quarterback issues there too. But if any of those teams that have a relatively high overall you know, level of talent on the roster, you pair quarterback with that talent, you could be looking at a team that's at least good enough to make some noise, if not quite good enough to contend on their own. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. All right. So here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Thorpe, let's turn our attention back to the dogs fully here for a moment. And let's talk about what has been a little bit of an odd conversation over the course of the last you know, 24 hours or so, kind of coming out right around the time we were starting yesterday's show and kind of bubbling up a lot in the time since then. about the idea that Georgia, as the designated home team for this year's Georgia-Florida game, is going to get a chance to host recruits. And this has been treated as like a very big deal and sort of been treated as no deal at all. And I think the overall truth here is probably something not quite necessarily in the middle, but while I would agree that it's not as big a deal as it's been sort of projected to be or, or suggested that it will be, it's also not completely insignificant either. Now, my understanding on this is, and a lot of this stuff's pretty complicated, but by rule, Georgia and Florida have been allowed to have tickets for recruits at this game since 2012. That's when the rule was changed to make this possible. But both sides have sort of chosen not to. And if we had to guess, a lot of this was probably about money because those tickets can be sold. And so if you can sell the ticket, then that's – if the whole reason you're going to Jacksonville anyway is because of money, then maximize the money you have a chance to make, which means selling every ticket you can and not holding back some and giving them to recruits. And so now apparently that's going to change with Georgia this year. They're going to hold on to some tickets, and they're going to give some of them to recruits. And you got to imagine because you know this is not an official visit. You're not flying there on Georgia's dime. You're going to travel on your own to get there. So this is probably – you know north florida south georgia type recruits somewhere on that 75 corridor uh those are the folks that can kind of easily get to jacksonville for this heading over towards you know i-95 whatever else these are the kinds of recruits that'll likely be there and you know being able to call these folks up these recruits and say hey do you like to come to the georgia florida game we can get you tickets there's probably some value to this. It is not the same level of value as being able to host that guy on your campus and he's on the sidelines before the game and he's having a lot of contact with Georgia coaches and staffers. You can't have any of that contact in Jacksonville. So this isn't as big a deal as some have portrayed it to be, I don't believe, but it's also not a completely insignificant deal either. It's probably something that should have been done prior to this. I guess good that Georgia's finally doing. It. I remember being on the field last year before the Georgia Clemson game and I was sort of used to no recruits being in stadiums at all. But last year for the Georgia Clemson game, or at least not officially, you know, in the in the stadium, sometimes, you know, folks will kind of find their way in. But last year there was, I remember being on the field, a little bit of drama related to, hey, you know, Georgia and Clemson were both giving tickets to recruits, and there was some curiosity among some of the recruiting reporters about who was going to sit in the Georgia section and who was going to sit in the Clemson section. And I sort of remember a little bit of chatter related to, that making a bunch of tickets available to recruits is something that Georgia definitely wanted to do. It recruits, obviously, the state of North Carolina pretty regularly. I think Clemson, you know, Clemson just likes for things to be as easy as possible in recruiting. I don't think they were looking forward to, you know, handling all the logistics of making a bunch of tickets available uh, to a bunch of people. If you've ever had to get tickets for somebody, you know how hard that can kind of be. And I don't think the Clemson side was quite as excited about all of this. But you know, this is something I think that Georgia used to its advantage a year ago, giving tickets to recruits for a neutral side game like the Georgia Clemson game. That was the understanding I got from talking to some people about this. And now being able to do some version of that for the for the Georgia Florida game probably is at least worth something. I don't think it changes overall what Kirby wants here, which the game played home and home. In fact, at SEC Media Days, going back a few weeks ago, back in the month of July smart in a debate on television with former Florida quarterback Tim Tebow was about as clear on this as one can be let me give you a snippet of this as a reminder from the SEC network Kirby making the case for getting out of Jacksonville for good this was from July how come you want to switch it up why is it one of the best environments I think every time did you play in Athens now 
None. None. How many times did we get to play in Gainesville? None. I think that's special. It is. I think that's special. But it's but you get a lot of home and road games, but you only get one where it's split 50-50 no, in the don't. middle. We're, we're going to play Oregon this year in, the, in, in Mercedes. I know, and there'll be pockets full of it, but this one's literally split right down the middle. Orange and blue, red and black. It absolutely is. I'll tell you what, y'all tell Florida you call the AD and you ask him to come to Atlanta and come play us. <laughs> we'll play in Atlanta anytime they want to play. <laughs> I'm not, you, 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 I feel like it's more of an advantage I, for... It's not an advantage for anybody. You look at the history of it. The yeah. team with the, you know, the better players and the better team usually wins that game, and it affects the outcome of the SEC East. It's more about for me. I'm competing against guys all across the SEC who host kids at their biggest game. So that's smart there on that. He wants the game home and home. He thinks it benefits recruiting. There are a lot of Georgia fans who agree with him, or there are just a lot of Georgia fans who are kind of ready for this to be home and home too. That's something I'm gladly acknowledge, even though I'm sort of pro cocktail party. I'll also acknowledge that in addition to some fans who just want the game to be home and home, there are some fans who don't really care, but they kind of want whatever Kirby Smart wants. That's another constituency here that if Kirby wants it, it's good enough for them. I completely acknowledge that too. The reality of the situation, though, is is it's going to take more than just Kirby's opinion to change this game, whether that should be true or not true. There's more considerations here than just what Kirby wants. That's just kind of the reality of the situation. So maybe we do see the dissolution of this tradition, a cocktail party, a thing that I really enjoy. Maybe it is about to go away because a lot of stuff in college football seems to be changing. The SEC's overall schedule is about to change greatly, and maybe that change means this has to change. Maybe that's the case. But if it does change, you don't have to wonder how Kirby Smart feels about it. He's pretty clear right there on television, going back to SEC media days, that this is a change that he wants to see. So with that, we'll wrap up today's show. And we'll remind you that wherever Georgia Florida is played, in Jacksonville, in Athens, in that, you know, dump that is Gainesville, wherever it is, a good Georgia fan will always be a Gator hater first and foremost. And so with that, we celebrate that to close out our show, including giving out a couple of golden shoes here today as uh, we have a good time here. And Brian Whitehead, speaking of Alabama excuses, there have been a lot of those, bringing back an oldie but a goodie, the no excuses sign, marked out the just some excuses, but only if we lose. Brian Whitehead asking me if I made that. I did not make it, but I certainly agree with the sentiment expressed from the meme there. So good stuff from Brian Whitehead. Also, speaking of our friends at Marlowe's Tavern, where we'll be on September 1st, our buddy Simone Cartwell checks in to say, I'm chilling at Marlowe's Tavern right now. Wonderful sponsor, the greatest podcast anywhere in the world. Dog Nation Daily and Dog Nation. He says, go dogs. And how about that New York strip? Cheers, he says, enjoying himself and having a good time. Simone, I'm glad about that and thankful for you for sharing all of that. We'll give you a golden shoe too. And we'll remind you, speaking of the lousy stinking Gators, wherever their games are played, they have an inglorious history following behind them 4,963 days since they've won a national championship and our gator hater countdown 79 days from right now georgia back in jacksonville beating up on those lousy stinking gators again we'll see you tomorrow right here on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and thype and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take your comments whether on twitter at dog nation daily you can send those to me there or in our comments section. And for those of you that like listen on Apple or Spotify or something like that, just visit the website, dognation.com. Find the podcast post. I always labeled it as Georgia Football Podcast. That's how you know it's Dog Nation Daily. And then down there at the bottom, you can just simply share your comment. And I'm happy to read it here. It's always more fun to do this segment when a lot of you weigh in with your opinions, including the uh, redneck rambler on Twitter who kind of mentions what we talked about off the top of the program today between, you know, Carter and Nolan Smith and Keely Ringo these are all potential first round picks ironic that anybody could kind of project Georgia as a no-name defense this year just given the fact that you've got that potential draft capital on the same field at the same time for the dogs but last year was no different where once again that's no-name defense sort of chatter kind of got going yet eventually you had five first round picks there is one of the reasons why I've never loved that as a name I guess the name itself originates with the 72 Dolphins they were the original no-name defense on an NFL team that actually went undefeated won the Super Bowl the only time that's happened in pro football history but it is an important I think divide between pro scouts you better believe who know exactly what Georgia brings to the table and they'll be drafted highly and paid handsomely for their talent and a certain degree of I guess media observation that still doesn't quite have some of these Georgia names standing at the forefront of the conversation the way that maybe they should including Jalen Carter who we mentioned off the top today 
old dog 76 going back to something we wrote or talked about yesterday on the uh, program uh, at dognation.com old dog 76 and the subject of sacking quarterbacks and what georgia did last year so well and the fact that if these potential superstar players in this year's georgia defense are going to match what georgia did last season then it's got to come from the pass rush uh, old dog says seems like kirby smart's got a pretty good handle on what they need to keep in mind and he says time will tell if they actually do it but he says i'll be nervous the entire season listen uh, georgia fans certainly understand that always a lot of anxiety related to watching the dogs play in a game and a season and everything else but i think it's also fair to point out that i don't know that there's been enough chatter really given to just how dramatically different the georgia defensive performance was last year in that category sacking quarterbacks tackles for loss you know being aggressive in the backfield and kind of letting whatever happened happen and you know um georgia played some high-powered offenses a year ago where going after uh quarterbacks and terrence talked about blitzing a little earlier doesn't have to be a blitz it can be just a really good talented player beating his man and getting into the backfield that way but but turning guys loose and let talented guys do what they're capable of doing at the expense of occasionally giving up a big play because you're being more aggressive that's something at one point in time it sort of seemed like in the early days of the kirby smart era they might be a little hesitant to do but last year they seemingly weren't hesitant in that way at all and obviously the results spoke for themselves so hopefully to go along with old dogs anxiety about the upcoming season and my you know concern to see georgia hopefully win every game that it plays that we'll see that same version of the georgia defense talented players turn loose what is it that uh uh coach coop one of the uh recruiting guys always says you know uh tapped and turned that we'll see georgia turned loose and turned up and ready to go out there and uh, and do some this season what it did a lot of last season that's a good comment all right thanks for being with us here today for the podcast cool down y'all find rs andrews online for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs they'll show up on time they'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised you can trust them on that today and we will see you back here tomorrow on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp we'll look forward to talking to you then